Hey, I'm not surprised, motherfuckers. <laughs> What is up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to Cortez on the Podcast. Once again, I'm Josh Shemanoff. As always, welcome by the one and only man of the hour. Too sweet to be sour. It is Angel Ortega. A lot of stuff to talk about this week. Obviously, it is UFC 287 fight week. Israel Adesanya and Alex Pahea going down this Saturday night, as well as the return of Jorge Masvidal and Gilbert Burns. A whole lot of stuff to talk about outside of that. Before we get into all the news and all the fighting, as always, we're brought to you by Rogue Energy and Elixir. Code sound off for 10% off of both of those. We're going to drink long time sponsor of the show. Keep me fueled up, keep me energized going through the day, whether I'm at the gym, working at home, or even playing video games. It keeps me fueled up, keeps me active. Meanwhile, Elixir is the exact opposite. Get your ass really, really high. They got Delta 8, Delta 9, HHC. They got it all from distillates to gummies to joints to gels to vapes. They got it. And you can get it for 10% off with code SOUNDOFF at checkout. It's code SOUNDOFF at checkout for 10% off both Rogue Energy and Elixir. Uh, over the weekend, uh, we didn't have any real big fighting. We did have a couple of events going down. Bellator 293, we're going to go ahead and hit that one first. Going down to the Chango Resort and Casino in Temecula, California. In the main event, Daniel James, who we, you know... We kind of made some jokes last week, but nothing to joke about in that main event. Damn, what a win. Uh, what a knockout over Marcelo Gome um, in the third round. You got to talk about, I mean, this is a guy that out of nowhere has become a legitimate Bellator heavyweight contender. First knocks out Tyrell Fortune, now Marcelo Gome, 41 years old, and just now becoming a heavyweight contender in uh, Bellator. What do you think about his win, man? Beautiful, man. Beautiful. Um, as far as the fight, yeah, you want to expand on that? <laughs> no, no, sorry. You got, I'm not gonna lie, I took a bite out of something real quick, so I was like, "Oh, okay, all right, all right." You major tech. I know I'm a fucking terrible human being, Josh. You caught me. <laughs> I didn't think you're fucking that quick with it. All right, all right, go ahead. All right, fine. I'm, I'm, I'm just joshing with you. Go ahead. Regardless, though, to talk about the win a little bit. He, um, fuck, it was clinical, man. Sick finish out of him. Another finish in another fight, which is awesome. That's what you want out of a guy, especially your heavyweights, right? No one wants, uh, especially in, you know, a main event, five rounder, you know, a, a, you know, obviously if it's a banger, yeah, that's, that's what you like to see, but especially if you're a new guy on the block, this is, this is the kind of thing you want to see. And, uh, he's kind of getting up there kind of quickly. He said he, he, he uh, in his debut, he took out a guy who was kind of, some of their been building up in Belgium for a long time. Not necessarily a prospect because he's already been there for a while, pretty established. Fought some names. Uh, so, yeah. As far as him, I think we'll see him kind of make a little run here, which is which is dope. I don't know if they're going to give him – who they're going to give him next, but I can't wait for it. Uh, he has a lot of uh, untangibles, like his height, his reach. Uh, the older, some maturity, kind of knowing that, like, hey, this is my job, this is my career. So, as far as any uh, mental stuff, I, I imagine he probably has in check. So, I don't know. I'm curious to see what this guy, what the what the limit is with him, because obviously he's taking out the guys on the lower end of the rankings. Let's see if he can take out the guys on the higher end of the rankings of Bellator going forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a complete agreement here. I mean, I think he's a he's an interesting guy. He's a guy that kind of came out of nowhere. Um, I had a lot of experience in ACA, if I remember correctly. Um, 
And he's had, I mean, he, he obviously, he had a couple of fights in Bellator even before his current run. Uh, I mean, look, just to be honest, I'm just really happy for the guy more, more than anything. I mean, that was a pretty sick finish, but like we kind of talked about last week, like, there's one, this is, this is probably my favorite thing in the sport, is getting to see guys like Daniel James who are in their, like, you know, much deeper in their career than I think they probably ever expected. By this point in Daniel James' career, I don't want to say he probably thought he was, you know, over of getting a big chance, but I mean, the guy has been fighting since 2014, uh, and that's just a professional career. He's probably been fighting for years before that, too, as an amateur. For him to finally be hitting this over 10 years in and becoming like an actual, you know, I mean, fuck, he, he's probably, he probably won't fight for the title next, but at the very least, he's in contention. It's either going to be him or Linton Vassell, so, um, yeah. Oh, man, I just he, found it here. 2012. Amateur 2012, he began fighting. So he's 11 years in, he's 41 years old, and he's just now beginning to make a name for himself, so to speak. That's pretty you know, sick, dude. Fun fact, Josh, he has a lot of popularity in the Chicago area because he used to be uh, the bodyguard for rapper Twista. He used to be he, wait, he used to be the bodyguard for Twista. Yes. I feel like I haven't heard that name, and I don't like. I mean, I don't even know if I've ever heard that. I, I guarantee I've heard some Twista. I'm white, but I'm not that white. You know what I mean? Yeah, but no, you, you probably have at some point. Yeah, good good for Daniel James though. That's pretty cool. That's pretty sick. Um, um that's where he gets a little bit of his of his following. I just saw right now that his Instagram got taken down, which is fucking devastating. That's weird. Um anyways, yeah man, I uh that was a hell of a win by him. Let's go ahead and just give him props for that. Not a whole lot to say about it. Um we'll see what happens to him next. I think he's in contention for a title shot. Probably won't get it. I think Linton Vassell probably has that locked up, but uh yeah, big things in Beltor heavyweight division. Co-main event, though, Kat Zingano scoring a unanimous decision win over Liam McCourt, 29-28-30-27-29-28. This fight was weird. I feel like it's probably the only way to put it. It was just weird. What did you think? I think it was weird. I mean, I, I don't know. How did you feel about Liam's performance? Do you think, did you score it for Kat? I heard some kind of comments going around. I thought, I thought Kat won it. I thought you could make a, a, a decent case for Liam Court to win it, but I thought, uh, I don't know. It was, it was a, I say it's a weird fight because it's kind of weird to have like multiple rounds where like they were both flipping back and forth between like really dominant positions. I think they both got mounted at one point and they just couldn't seem to get much done with it, either one of them. It was just kind of a weird fight. And that's, that's, Kind of how I'd phrase it, yeah. Yeah, I think, sadly, to uh, kind of Leah's demise, you know, obviously she wore the damage more than Kat did. Obviously, the fucking knee, like, got her open and all that, you know? So I think those were some of the ultimate, ultimately deciding factors. I don't know if those should have been indicative of the decision, though. But I digress. I mean, it's it's another way for Kat. I would have originally chosen Kat for this, if, uh, if, we, did, if we did picks for this. It was, like you said, there's there's a there's a case there, right? So at least it's there, not a robbery by any means, I'd say, but uh, at least the topic of the discussion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I thought Leah, like, like I said, I thought she had a, a fine case for uh, the decision win. I, admittedly, I don't really, I don't want to say I don't care, but at the same time, I really don't think either one of these women are going to be doing much about. Chris Cyborg's in, impending return. Uh, um, I, mean, I guess she she's not even with the company. I mean, I guess to clarify that again, 
uh, somebody asked Doc Coker, and he said that apparently, like, she's with them, but they're not with them. Like, they have the right to match her contract, but she hasn't gone anywhere else. Like, it's it's a weird position right now. Um, I still think they should have just done this fight for, like, an interim title or something. Because, uh, like, the Bellator's women featherweight division actually isn't that bad. Like, if you, it's it's actually not that bad of a division. Like, it shows the UFC could build a decent featherweight division if they tried. But the reality is is that Cyborg hasn't fought in a year and has no plans to return either. So, I mean, this title and division might as well be dead, pretty much. Um, but, anyways, man, uh, any closing thoughts? This is a pretty solid Bellator card. we got to go ahead and shout out John Salter retiring after his win over Aaron Jeffrey. Shout out him, but any other fights beyond that? Because there were there was a couple of um big upsets on this card as well. Yeah, I think betting odds wise, uh, for one, Josh, I think we have to highlight a retirement on this on this card. Sean Salter retiring, thirty eight years old, ends his career in Bellator, nineteen and six record. I mean, you know, not to get crazy into it, but how, how do you feel about it overall career? Kind of how it ended. Kind of nice to go on a win too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, shout out John Salter, man. I mean, I'm a big Aaron Jeffrey guy. I kind of talked about that on the show, but I mean, he's another guy, you know, um, fought in Bellator for a long time, fought in the UFC. I don't know how many people even know that. He was very young in his career. Um, but you know, in Bellator, you head over there in 2015, he put a, put together a run. And I don't think too many people actually expected him to put together a run of, of that caliber all the way to getting to the title. And some people be like, you know, maybe he can do some things against Musasi. He didn't end up doing that, but. You get what I'm saying. I mean, and him being able to, he's 38, going out on a win over, like, a young prospect, that's pretty solid, man. That's pretty good. Um, So, shout out John Salter, dude. But for me, this card, dude, let's talk about some of the upsets on here. Um, Sullivan Colley in the main guard. I mean, this, this you could really just say this card, like, I don't know shit about MMA. That, that's, that's, because basically every person I hyped up lost on, on Friday. I mean, uh, Aaron Jeffrey lost. I have to vote against John Salter. Luke Trainer defeating Solo and Collie. I was so confident in Solo and Collie being a legit prospect. I mean, he still might be, but it's very disappointing. And then Joey Davis, dude. What the fuck happened to Joey Davis? He he pulled an Italian gangster on us and tried to have a wrestling match in there, man. He, I mean, he didn't know how to throw. He threw, like, what? How many punches? Like, 30 total? Across three rounds? It was crazy. Yeah, no, I mean, it was, uh, it was different, you know. He, he has all these stand-up capabilities. We've seen him before. It's kind of like, where did all that stuff go, you know? Granted, though, I wonder if that's due to the time off, maybe a few jitters, kind of want to stay to something he feels confident and comfortable in. I don't know. Split decision at that really sucks to see, but that's the old god. I think I heard someone say, like, he had, it's the first time he's lost and, like, officially since, like, fucking middle school. Mm-hmm. Uh, like like in, in a live competition, so it's crazy. Yeah, I'm, I mean it's <laughs> and it ended like that, so I'm, you know, kind of a shitty feeling, but that's how it is, man. And I'm sure he'll bounce back from it. Yeah, I'm sure he will. Um, he's still really good, and he still has a bright future. It is just shocking to see, though. It is very shocking to see. I, I wonder never... if anybody made money on that, man. Just they're like thinking the. Who knows? What were the odds for this? I, 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 I mean, it, he was one of the biggest favorites of all time. That's lost. Okay, I found it, Josh. Jeff Creighton was a, a via topology. I don't know where they get their odds from. A plus eight fifty. Jesus, a plus eight fifty. How much? What was? What was? Joey Davis. He's a minus what? Minus sixteen hundred. 
Jesus. Okay, well, he's not as bad as, uh, what's his name? Our boy that, uh, got knocked out also recently. Well, really hacked up wrestler. I can't think of his name right now, but he was like a minus 3,000 favorite who lost recently in Bellator. He was like their bow nickel, but regardless, yeah. I mean, also, they're, oh, I think I know you're talking about, but I can't. You know, you know exactly what I'm talking about, but I can't think of his name right now. They already cut him. They, like, that motherfucker lost, and they were just like, wait, after that, fuck what? out of here. Yeah, yeah, he lost one fight, and they're like, get the fuck out, dude. Like, you, you lost to this, because the guy he lost to was like two and three or something. Like, he wasn't, he wasn't good enough for them to, to stick around and be like, oh yeah, we really gotta, really gotta keep this guy, you know? I mean, it was just... I didn't know you got cut after that, though. Yeah, they wasted no time cutting him. It was almost... It was actually kind of sad, if I'm being fully honest. Pat Downey is who we're thinking of. They didn't give Pat Downey the fucking benefit of the doubt, though? No, no, no. Pat Downey won his first fight against Keyes Nelson in August by submission, 36 seconds in. Faced Christian Eccles last December, Belter 289. And this is the fight that I named as my upset of the year. Because Pat Downey, super good. I, I mean, he he was never, you know, he's never bow nickel level, and he he was never, you know, that caliber. But he was very good. Um, but then he uh he lost. He was a twenty five to one favorite. That that sucks, man. Because I mean, look, he's he has one professional fight. You know what I mean? They should have gave him a proper build up. You know, they could have really. Brought him up and good. They gave him a guy who's two and two, right? Two as well. So it's not like they it was, but they should have gave him time. They should have worked with him. I don't know. I just this just feels uh premature. Premature, mm-hmm. you know. Give, you know, obviously, if he starts having a if he goes like one and three, okay, then we should question it up a little bit. Ask. Him well, I think it. I think part of the issue with Bellator cutting uh, Pat Downey, it's not really the issue, but I see kind of why they did it because not only does. So, for example, it's one thing to lose as a 25-to-1 favorite when you're the super hyped-up prospect wrestler. It's another thing to lose as a 25-to-1 favorite when you're the super hyped-up prospect wrestler, which part of the reason why Bellator signed you is because you're 30, and they thought, okay, this guy doesn't have much time, but he's been training for a bit. Let's see what he can do. He's pat down. He's already 30, and he also has a lot of legal issues. So it's like if you you compound them all together and then getting knocked the fuck out in an embarrassing way and like not because he gassed in like ninety seconds, dude. I watched that fight. Like that fight was he basically took him down, uh, went for I think he got nearly an arm triangle, but gassed out instantly trying to get it. Got up and then got finished with an uppercut. It was it was pretty bad. But no, I mean I I remember I watched. Oh okay, all right. I didn't know if, I didn't know if you remember the exact finish. Yeah, it was it was it was pretty bad. So I get why, but. I do agree, but it's definitely harsh. But, yeah, I mean, let's hope they don't fucking do that to Joey Davis. No, I don't, I, I don't think they will. I think they have a lot of hope for Joey Davis. I think so, too. But we will uh, we will see. Um, yeah, man. Any any other uh, closing thoughts on this card? Not much. To? I mean, like like I said, we did name some, some young guys who didn't who did end up losing. But then we also named some young guys who did end up winning, like Lucas Brenna. Uh, Vladimir Tokov, I know Land- the name of Lance Gibson, he did lose, but Vladimir Tokov was very capable of winning that fight. He ended up doing it. Uh, he was, a, I think, a, I don't know if I did highlight him, but at least I mentioned him in that conversation. Bryce Meredith, another guy, kind of wrestler, kind of being brought up. Uh, I think we see Wyoming coming out of the MMA lab, so he's on this come up. He kind of, it's crazy. He took a different route. He didn't actually go to the Bellator. He actually started LFA, and then from LFA he went to Bellator. So he faced some, I'd say, some pretty decent competition. I mean, his first opponent was five and six, which 
You know, he's fighting a guy who at least had been there a fair bit of times, you know? Yeah, fair enough, fair enough. Um, yeah, man, it was a fun card. It was a fun card. It was it was a much um, – I had more fun with it than I expected. I know that uh, – I'd say you probably were the same case if I had to guess. I know that you weren't exactly thrilled to talk about it last week, but uh, – but, but it was still fun. There was a lot of finishes at the start of the card, a lot of submissions, so I still enjoyed it. Yeah. Uh, same page, but we did have a little bit more MMA to go or PFL one going down uh, Saturday night from the theater at the Virgin Hotels. Um, same place UFC was not that long ago, and in the main event, Brandon Lofney defeating Marlon Marais. I just gotta ask, what the fuck are we doing at this point, man? Like, what are we doing? I mean, look, look, Josh. At least it was a KO. Or TKO, technically, leg kick, or KO. But here's, here's the thing, is, like, you just said at least it was this. We've had, like, four of those fights by now. Like, the, the Shaman Marais fight that just happened, like, Yo, you know, not, at least I, I, he was I, I winning say, until he got knocked out. No, 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 you're, you're right. It was criminal, though, to throw Brendan Lockday first fight of the year, though. No, I agree. Uh, I, I don't know. We I feel like, look, let's let's get it out of the way. Brendan Lockday, good job. You did what you had to do, right? The conversation is here, more than Marais in his career. Truly, right? Can can we put that out there? Yeah. But I'm just saying, so we we can kind of like, you know, we can give for one, Brandon Lockman his his due because obviously he ended up winning the fight. He did what he had to do. Uh, but the true topic of conversation coming out of that specific fight is Marlon Marais, right? I mean, another finish loss. I mean, how many finish losses is that on the record, Josh? Five. Well, that's that's why I said that. It's six in a row. Six knockout losses in a row. Wow. Especially, and look, in that in that featherweight roster, I mean, the guys in there are all fucking great. I mean, we're talking about, I mean, and we saw them that night. Chris Wade, Bubba Jenkins, uh, they've even picked up some guys recently. I mean, Boblin, who's 20-0. and 0. Could you imagine if Marlon fights this Boblin guy? I mean, at least he might choke him out. You know? Yeah. But uh, I, I don't know. I, I think... I'm surprised there hasn't has, has there ever been a conversation of Marlon retiring or continuing retirement. I'm just very well, surprised. He, he, he retired after the loss of Song Yudong, I believe, and then he came out of retirement for the PFL. And you know, I was admittedly I was like, all right, well, you know, he took some time off. Let's see what happens. He's going to a place where the fight the competition isn't as high. And for his first fight there, they gave him Shaman Marais. That should have been a layup. They already fought once, and he fucked them up back in the W the World Series of Fighting days, back in 2015, 2016, somewhere around there. And then whenever he got knocked out by that guy, that really should have been the sign. Like, okay, he's diminished so much. It's not like Shane Marias is radically different of a fighter now than he was back then. I mean, he's 32 now. Like, he hasn't changed that much in the last five, six years, right? If you look at his mm-hmm. record and his pattern. But Marlon Marais has, which is why he went from dominating Shaman Marais about, you know, six, seven years ago to getting knocked the fuck out by him. And it's just, I mean, six losses in a row by knockout. This is, this is, this is like, it's just, it's terrible that guys like this even get licensed, you know? Like, I mean, it's not Bigfoot level yet, but it's getting there. It's getting there. I mean, well, it, and, and Bigfoot shouldn't have gotten as, as bad as to where he, what he did too, you know? I mean, Josh, no, dude, we got to Look, this might be a, a terrible joke to make right yeah. now, but this 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 really is Krillin-esque at this point. <laughs> you know what I mean? Krillin-esque. 
But you know, they always try to kill Krill, you know, Krillin's know, guys yeah. in Dragon Ball. I mean, it's. I know, I know, I know. Um, it took me a second, but yeah, I know. But anyways, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's it's um it's terrible, dude. And, and like, yeah, guys like Marlon Rice just not. It's not like they should be fighting a lower level of competition because there are guys who have been we, we've kind of like given like a really long leash to in the UFC because like they'll get knocked out, but like for example, Tony Ferguson's lost like his last five fights. Before those were against like top five guys, you know what I mean? Multiple Rice doesn't have that defense. Like, there's no reasonable avenue in which you can be like, yeah, we really need to see Marlon Rice fight. It's like, it's just sad, dude. It's not Tim Sylvia coming out to do power slap level bad, but. Man. <laughs> I didn't even include that one in the rundown. That shit is too depressing. Maybe he needs the money, man. I know that's shitty to say, but maybe he does. I mean, he's. Maybe, but still, I mean, the guy's 47 years old. He couldn't even get cleared last time he uh, he fought. So, I mean, it's oh, BJ Penn exclusive, by the way. <laughs> I just uh, shout out that, but... Jesus, Josh. It's true. It's true. Not, I posted, not, I, not the time. Not I'm just saying, it's BJPenn.com exclusive. You can, write, you, can, you can read about it. BJPenn.com. Uh, anyways, but... <laughs> yeah, I mean, for the rest of the PFL card... The main event was sad. I will say the uh, the cold main event was also sad, but not nearly as sad. Uh, you had our boy Razor Rob Wilkinson picking up a decision win over Tiago Santos. Tiago, Tia, I mean, I mean, what do you say at this point? I mean, but look, look, look. You got you got to give credit to Rob Wilkinson though, because he fought Tiago Santos the right way. You know what I mean? He didn't take uh, he didn't take his striking approach that I think he has in his other fights with a lot of the competition he's had in the PFL. Because Rocky, Diego Santos cracked him late in the third round. I think Diego yeah. Santos still has a lot of potential in the PFL. I just think people, I, I think a lot of people probably assumed, oh, well, Diego's going to come to the PFL and run through it. No, I mean, there's, Rob Wilkinson was, is the former champ. You know, I'm saying former because they're, you know, they restarted the season. I hope people didn't think that Diego Santos is just going to come to the PFL and run clean house. <laughs> but I hope I, people didn't think that. No, I mean, I think some people were, though, Josh. Let's be yeah, yeah we, know how people, we know how people are. But, uh, I think that, uh, Going forward, though, he has a lot of potential because he still looks, he still looks good. He just got controlled. He got felt well, but look, you're telling me he's not gonna will, not gonna beat Will Flurry in the fucking. There was a fight under him, you know what I mean? Yeah. Or a Chris Jocko. You know, I'm not trying to be disrespectful to those guys, but I think he he can at least potentially at least beat those guys. It's not at least one of those guys. So I think yeah. it's, I think we'll most likely see him in the in the tournament bracket. He'll make it at least to the. I would assume the semifinals, if not the finals. Maybe you can throw mm-hmm. with I don't know any of that for a fact. But I, I think as far as his future in the PFL, I think it's still very bright, and I think he'll do very well. Um, because you see how he is, though, with the active schedule and all of that, and how that will affect him, and obviously who he who has had uh, injuries in his legs, too, and how, you know, whether people decide to take it, you know, try to attack that and see if any of that catches up to him. Mm-hmm. I agree. And some I mean, Josh, be, they yeah. got someone on the roster. I'm sorry. They got someone on the roster who's 8-7. and seven. Like, you're telling me Tiago Santos is not beating that guy? No, no. I'm sure Tiago Santos is going to beat some guys. I mean, they had they had a guy, uh, Anthony Pettis, who uh, Anthony Pettis went like 1-3 and three in, in PFL, and he beat a guy who was like 9-11 and 11 or something. So it's like there are some guys that they have in there who I'm pretty sure are just cannon fodder. I mean, no disrespect to him. But, yeah, I'm sure Tiago Santos will beat some people. I just – I mean, I'll give him credit. He did do better against Razor Rob than just about everybody else did last year. 
I mean, so. granted, though, Rob Wilkinson, bro, you gotta, you gotta, like I'm telling you, bro, you gotta give the man. His Rob Wilk, dude, Rob Wilkinson is another one of those stories that people just outside of us that do not talk about, like. Rob Wilkinson, that guy. I love Rob Wilkinson. I'm a huge Rob Wilkinson guy. This motherfucker went to the, I say this motherfucker. I love the guy. I use that as a term of endearment. I mean, he fucking was in the UFC, came in 11 and 0, got knocked out twice, including by Israel Adesanya. Leaves, gets cut immediately. Like, they almost always, it's so rare to see somebody cut after only two fights, but they did it. Eventually he went to PFL and he has not lost since. And every single fight he's won outside of Seattle Santos, by knockout. And he's just murdered some dudes, dude. Like that Omario Medov fight last year to win the belt. Oh my god, it was, oh, it was also another thing, Josh. Active, yeah. very, very active too. Yeah, exactly. Which helps keeps keeps his momentum going. So yeah, I mean, we're talking about a guy who fought before coming to PFL like two or three times per year after the cut. Yeah, exactly. And that's what you got to do, especially if you get cut from a big promotion. I feel like you got to be active. You got to be getting finishes. You got to be. Uh, and obviously doing it smart, right? You don't want to be taking fights crazy short, short notice, being irresponsible, and not having time to recover in between. But he did it right, man, and it's really paying off. And it's it's dope to see an, an Aussie doing another Aussie doing it. Aussie, Aussie, Aussie. Yeah. Right? Shout out the Aussie, man. Um, yeah, but not the best performance for Tiago Santos. But I mean, the reality is, is whenever he fought John Jones back in. What was that, July 2019? And you watched him go five rounds, even though you know he he tore his shit like the first minute or two in both legs. You knew there was going to be a receipt coming, so to speak. You knew whose ticket was going to get punched after that. Um, but, yo, he, he ascended for one night, and he gave it his all. And so no matter what, he always – he's still the only guy to say that he, can, he took a scorecard off John Jones, so – Granted, that's more about judging and competence than anything, but because there's other guys who should have been. But um, yeah, I mean, shout out to Alex Santos, man. I mean, as far as the rest of the card goes, uh, which fights do you want to talk about? It was not a good night for UFC veterans. If you, I mean, for the well, most part, Christoph well, Jocko also lost. Well, yeah. I mean, no credit to Mobley. Pretty dominant. Kind of you expected that with this guy who's 20 and 0. Uh, I need to credit to Roji Kudo. Tried his best, stayed in it. Had a heart, man, but it just wasn't enough. Bubba getting one over Chris Wade. They had fought in the past. Wade got one over him. They're one one in the series. I'm sure they'll meet again, probably in the tournament, which is actually gonna be sick. A rubber match trilogy. Fucking, uh, I'm a, I'm a fan of that. I think that'll be fun. I kind of like their. They they got a little rivalry going. I know they're not cool. They're not a big fan of each other. They they you know they obviously were able to support each other enough to to be around each other, but there's definitely some bad blood in there, and. uh Man, we gotta highlight another guy who's doing it right. Impa Kaseyanage, Josh. I just butchered last name. He got another win, man. He's doing it. He's doing it right. Just building it up in the PFL. I'm assuming he's trying to get into his tournament. Or I guess he is in the tournament format now. Uh, it's fucking awesome, dude. After having a kind of a, I, I don't know. They they they, kept, they let him go too early. Obviously, in my opinion, uh, a short little stint in the UFC, going two and two. Tried to fight an Eagle FC, couldn't, didn't, didn't end up winning there. Fought an XMA, got a win, and then finally getting the opportunity to PFL challengers. I mean, it's awesome to see that that he's here now and potentially going to build a career within the PFL. And we've seen some guys that were previously in the UFC who were cut prematurely, like Rob because that we just mentioned, yeah. kind of build something from there. And uh, who knows? Who knows if he's going to do the same thing? Maybe, maybe not. But at least he has the opportunity and chance. And there's a... 
there's something after the UFC, even though he's not in the UFC anymore, and he's still in a promotion where he can still get attention and people know his name because he fought in the UFC at one point. Yeah, and I feel like the biggest thing is, no matter what happens, it, this is the biggest reason why the PFL needs to be here and why there needs to be alternatives to the UFC. Because hypothetically, if PFL wasn't around, Beltor wasn't around, like, this month, like, he's just fighting in LFA probably. You know what I mean? Just as an example. Like, there's, people really take for granted the fact that we do have other big options for these fighters. You know, they really, they really just take that for granted. Cause, you know, there's been times where it's not here and there'll be a day where it may not be here, you know, again. So we'll see. But yeah, I thought it was a solid night for PFL. You know, I thought they had a couple of nice fights. Um, some of the big names that came through didn't perform as well as probably, probably expected, but hey, shout out Impa. I'd love to see my boy Impa picking up a big win. Uh, so yeah, man, solid, uh, solid weekend of fights, man. I thought both these cards actually, um, uh, went above and beyond what I expected out of them. So, anyways, man, I think it's, uh, about time to move on because we got UFC 287 Fight Week, boys, going down Saturday night for the Miami Date Arena in Miami, Florida. Couple of massive, massive names, massive, massive fights. In the main event, Alex Pajaya taking on Israel Odesonia. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's how you pronounce it. I've seen some people getting it on my pronunciation in the comment section, so I'm trying to do better. On God? On God. On God. Odesonia. I always, I always love the, the, the podcast that I do. Odesonia. Odesonia? But, uh, anyways, yeah, so they're running it back. Obviously, they fought twice in kickboxing. You guys know the story. Pahea won him twice, granted, I mean, he, it was one and one, uh, but they fought in MMA last November, and, um, oh, well, gotta cut that out, Angel. <laughs> God, Josh, are you making a mess? No, my mic just fell over, I can't help it, it's a, it's not a great mic stand, but anyways, yeah, so we got, the, they're running it back. Once again, Izzy entering the fight as a, Favorite, which is very interesting to me. Um, he's kind of said this is kind of his last chance, so to speak. He's 33, the be 34 in about a couple of months. Um, coming off a big, the first, you know, loss of 185 in his career, his second loss in his last five fights. I know that we're big Izzy guys. We're big fans of him. But do you think he'll be able to get it done? I think that, uh, there's a lot of questions going into this one, and we haven't, We've seen how Izzy responds after a close decision loss of 205 and being knocked out by your rival is much, much different. So what do you think how, uh, what do you think this is, is going to look like on Saturday? I mean, there's a lot of factors I think that go into this fight, right? Obviously they have history, a very long history, probably the most history there's ever been. I think in a, to be honest, Josh, in an MMA fight between two guys, I mean, could you ever think of two guys who fought and maybe other sports outside of the UFC and then fought within the UFC? Maybe even not even more than one time, but once. You know, mm-hmm. I, mean, I don't think there's anybody who has this much history between each other ever in MMA. I can't think of guys. Maybe like, I, I guess Lance Palmer and fucking Bubba Jenkins, because they were fucking because Lance Palmer's kryptonite was Bubba Jenkins when they were wrestling in college. I believe they had some history there, and then they fought in MMA, and Bubba got the best of him again, which mm-hmm. was like such a mental fuck. Because you you could tell in that fight when a. Uh, I remember Lance Palmer was trying to, yeah, he was getting a choke on Bubba. Bubba was smiling the whole time, like, yeah, motherfucker, you're not going to get me. And Bubba <laughs> ended up beating him in that fight. If you ever want to go back and rewatch that, Josh, that is like a fucking crazy moment in that fight. I, I love that the PFL actually panned to the front of him because you just see him holding it and he's just smiling the whole time. <laughs> like, he's not going to get me. But regardless, kind of to bring it back in, there is no guys who have this much history. There will never be any guys. I mean, this is, this is some, this is historical shit right here, my guy. Yeah. 
I was about to make a really bad reference right there. But, uh. Oh, God. I'll tell you later. Alright. But, uh. I, I just refuse to believe, Josh, that the fights have been this close every single time, and Izzy does not get one officially on the, on his books. Mm-hmm. First fight close, didn't get the nod, arguably should have gotten a night. Second fight was winning it, gets knocked out. Third one in the MMA. Has him dead to rights in the end of the first. If he had more time, probably gets him out of there. Fight goes on. is winning it to, until all the way through the fourth. Pretty much riding his way to a decision. It looks like Israel Design is about to beat this demon he's had. In the fifth round, gets finished late. Questions it. Says early stoppage. Whatever, right? We're not going to have that conversation here. Say what you want to say. Mm-hmm. And look, for Alex Pajero, I mean, obviously, he's young in the sport. Obviously, he's working very hard. I think he's – something you can't question. He, he seems like a guy who is fast learner, is very talented, super athletic, has this amazing power. He knows what he's capable of doing with his weapons. But I do think Izzy – and this is MMA, and I, want to, I think Izzy's going to have to dig deep in the bag and use all his tools that he has available in MMA and not just run and kickbox. Obviously, he tried to wrestle. Mm-hmm. We were, he's talked about the leg kicks and how the leg kicks battered him. Let's see if he can change that up. Let's see if he can have that mobility. Let's see. I don't – I don't. you know, and I even told you, dude, one of the, my biggest – Issues with that fight is that whole shit where Izzy would end up his back to the cage, mm-hmm. and and uh, and he was there. And granted, though, like we said, like, like mentioned earlier, your leg kicks were a factor. All of that. I want to see if that changes. I don't want to see that in this fight. I want to see if Izzy can show us the style bender. You know? Yeah. Because and then look, he we did see it in that fight, but I mean, you, you can tell there's that his present his presence in the in the cage does something for Izzy in a way. I don't know, you know, it, it, it affects his fight, and, it, and it's because the head is, is capable of just coming forward, trotting forward, because he knows he has that power. You know, he knows he could get you out of there, and, he's, and he'll just walk straight down. I never, I mean, Josh, can you ever think of another time where a guy just walked forward to Izzy? Not even, not even Yambla Obutu knew he had a weight advantage over Adesanya did that. I mean, Paulo Costa did, but it ended up very poorly for him. Yeah, and that's the thing. When guys yeah. try to do it, they find out. This is the first guy where that hasn't worked. And look, yeah, no, I agree. This, this, these weight cuts, you know, I, I, I think they're, they, could, they, could only, they could only last so long for Baha. You know, they're going to catch up to you eventually. Um, mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know when that's going to happen. I don't know if it might be this fight. But we've seen it with guys like Davidson Figueredo. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, we saw that how that first fight went against Brandon. And then that second fight, fucking Brandon was him for better to post round yeah. one, round two, and I, I don't remember if it went to round three or not, but regardless, got the submission and ended the fight. I mean, Brandon looked amazing in that. And I remember that, and granted, you know, you always look like shit when you're cutting away, but I remember thinking he looked like shit cutting that. Like, yeah. For that fight. And I had to pick Brandon to win it. I don't know if I had picked him. I don't know. It doesn't matter. Regardless, though, I believe Izzy's able to get one. I think he'll get one officially. I think he'll retain, he'll, he'll get his title back. Show why he's the king of 185 and why he's dominating he's dominating this weight class and why he he is here to stay. The big thing for me though, Josh, this fight and I saw a video recently by uh Kyohin Kamura. Kyohin Kamura is I don't know how to go. Yeah, shout, shout out our boy. Yeah. Shout out. He had a video titled, I don't know if you saw it, it's like people who need to win at UFC two eighty seven. Mm-hmm. And I think Israel Adesanya is one of those guys. Because I think for but hey, regardless of win or lose in this fight, he's chilling. He's winning, retain the style, has to defend it, cool. If he loses, we already know 205 is an option. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it's kind of an open division if you can kind of get things going. So Yeah, I mean, the reality that. for Axe is that he does have the ability 
I don't want to say this means more to Izzy than it does him, because I'm sure this fight means a lot to him. And you say, have you seen any of his training camp? Mm. He's Izzy's got a... Or, uh, Glover. Uh, or, uh, Bahia. Oh, I, I mean, I mean, I've seen, he's there with Chuck. He yeah, had, he's training with the Iceman. Chuck came into his camp. Glover's in his camp, you know? I know, he's serious. He's serious about this shit. Yeah, but I do think that he is a guy that, um, I don't want to say it means less to him, but, dude, Israel Adesanya, this fight, for Ospahea, this is not another fight, but it's a fight, you know, that he needs to win just about as every other one. And he's already kind of gotten more than anybody expected. I, I don't think too many people expect him to come in here at 35 years old and just transition MMA and instantly become champion, right? He's already gotten more than what many people already expected. Israel Adesanya, this fight's kind of his entire career. And uh, not entire career, but it's just he he has the ability right now to decide if he wants to be an Anderson Silva or if he's going to be a Rich Franklin, you know what I mean? I mean, this, this is a legacy fight, man. Because Anderson, obviously, you know, we know the story. He, uh, well, Rich was already the dominant champion. Anderson came in over from Pride and um, knocked him out. He knocked him out again, and then Rich was just stuck in gatekeeper territory, and now you never hear about the guy, despite the fact that he was a long-reigning champion, multiple title defenses. That's what Israel Adesanya is staring down the barrel of going into Saturday. And, uh, you know, you mentioned about how all three fights have been so close, and it's just like Izzy just hasn't gotten one. You know what this kind of reminds me of? Like, we didn't talk about this on the show because we're like a combat sports podcast, but like, <clears throat> you remember the Super Bowl just a couple of months ago? You know, I don't know. I, we have, we have a lot of new fans, but like, we're both, we're both Kansas Cityans. We're both from KC, you know? Shout out. And so we had to hear everybody talk about how the Bengals just dominate the team, about how they're just so much better because they won three games that were razor close. Like, they were, com- they were decided by a combined nine points, right? Israel Adesanya is going into this fourth fight, similar to the Chiefs, you know. He's lost three very close ones. Will he be able to get over the hump? I think no. <laughs> it's just, I, and it's probably, this is the first time I ever picked against Israel Adesanya. I just, it, it comes down to the fact that I just think Alex Bahia has no reason to believe in, or just to even care about Israel Adesanya. He knows he can take the power now. And, I, and you can argue that if he would have gotten him out of there in round one, it would be a different story. But, like, you know, you can argue that same thing for Cody Garbrandt and TJ Dillashaw, and then TJ just went and knocked him out again. So, um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and take Alex I think he's not the cleaner striker. Um, but the reality is is that when you're fighting him, you kind of it, – it's like it's like a ticking time bomb, essentially. You know what I mean? Like, he's going to land one of those big rights at one point. And if he's hitting it on Israel Adesanya, who's one of the most elusive, one of the most defensively competent guys in the division, that's very impressive to me. And I, I think he's going to be able to do it again. And the biggest thing for me, dude, like in terms of just like watching the keys, like like how he's going to win this fight is, dude, like it, I'm gonna, we're going to know instantly from some of the earliest exchanges, in my mind anyway, if Izzy's going to win this fight. Because you mentioned the fact that he would just back up to the cage and, and he would throw leg kicks and he would just try and use his head movement when he got his back to the fence. That's why he got caught and that's why he got knocked out. Like, he needs to, whenever he's moving back to the fence, he has to give Alex some reason to not come forward. You know what I mean? Because his normal strategy of throwing leg kicks and trying to use your head movement, trying to reset, that does not work, man. You're, gonna, you're getting in the fire and you're going to have to throw. And he didn't throw and last time he got knocked out for it. So... 
Um, I don't know if we'll get knocked out this time, but I don't think he's going to win. Uh, I'm going to go and take Alex Pajeda to win. Um, and still, even if it pains me to do it. So, I mean, I'm assuming, I know that you're going with Izzy. Any final thoughts on the main event before we go and move on to the co-main event, which is also excellent? I mean, it's an intense fight, man. It's it's a very intense fight. I mean, the first one was intense the whole way through. Then the way it ended, obviously, in fucking traumatic fashion. Mm. I don't know. Big legacy fight. I, I do wonder, though, what will happen if Izzy does lose, kind of what happens going forward with the division. It's been a really awkward spot. I wonder if at that point maybe they would decide to try to challenge for 205. Who knows? But if try to become double champ, which would be crazy, and obviously kind of put the division on the back burner, which at that point I wonder if the UFC would try to do an interim title between Rob and Izzy. So that way when he returns, he has someone there at 185, or mm-hmm. if maybe he would just want to, just as a fuck you, fight Izzy one more time, go to <laughs> vacate the title at 185 and go to 205, which would be savage as fuck. I don't know. But we'll see this weekend, man. It's fight week. I'm excited. Let's get into the comment of that. Right? I mean, no matter what happens, we know that. We No, no matter what, you have, you know, there's only a couple things guaranteed in life, right? You know, death, taxes, Alex Pahea shitting on Israel Adesanya at every single chance that he gets in every phase of life, you know? Like, I guarantee you Trump could go for that double title, not because he cares about it, but because he couldn't do it, you know? Like, do you see the video of him, like, like the the video of him, like, getting mad because Izzy's, like, has, like, the stuffed animals, and he's like, is that what the fuck? Like, have you seen that clip? I think I did, but I didn't, like, look into it. It's it, it's just, it's it's comedy. It's it's the most one-sided beef of all time. Like, I don't think, <laughs> but it's still really funny, though. I mean, the man's a professional hater. You gotta, you gotta respect him to a degree. But anyways, yeah, co-main event is excellent, man. Just one down. Gilbert Dorino Burns taking on Jorge Gamebred Masvidal. Both of these guys come into this one saying that they're hoping they can get a title shot. Obviously, Dana said that Colby just really deserves another one. Um, <laughs> so, you know, <laughs> this is, Colby Covington, he's like fucking Groundhogs, dude. Like, he fucking Colby Covington just shows up at the start of spring and he gets another title shot, you know? Like, it's just... <laughs> can't just... Can't get away from it, dude. Can't get away from it. But anyways, yeah, I mean... Both of these guys have said that they think they can jump in front of him with a win. I'll be obviously Gilbert coming off of that win, submission win over Neil Magny in January UFC 283. Gamebred been out of action for over a year since his fight and then instant rematch with Colby Covington outside of Miami Steakhouse. So <laughs> he is entering this fight on a three-fight losing streak, but you know, obviously there's. Wait, did you include the Steakhouse in here too? I guess I'm not. I'm not kind of. If you count the steakhouse, technically that's a win. So technically, Jorge Mollis was coming in here on a win. (laughs) So he's even. (laughs) Okay, so let me rephrase. Jorge Mollis was. He's he's lost three of his last four. How about that? Because he (laughs) lost to Kamaru when he took the fight on like five days' notice. He got knocked out by Kamaru in the rematch. He lost to Colby in their fight in the cage, but then they beat him in the rematch on the street. <laughs> but, but then he's losing the legal battle, so... <laughs> he is losing the legal battle, so he may have another loss by the time he's... Who knows? They could they could come to a plea deal by the end of the time... By the time he steps in the cage. So it could be <laughs> one and four in his last five, you know? <laughs> um, but anyways, yeah, I mean, Maswell, he's had a couple of rough losses. He's 38 years old. He said with a loss, you know, this is pretty much going to be it. You know, I mean, he pretty much admitted that. Um, and at his age, right? It, huh? Put it on JRE, right? 
Um, I don't know when he said it, but I, I, I think I, I think you saw a clip where he kind of like didn't out didn't say exactly, but he was kind of essentially said like this is probably my this is one of my last opportunities. He made it seem like this is going to be the end. Yeah. Well, I mean, if, 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 look, I mean, it'd be four losses in a row, and then, well, I mean, not counting the steakhouse. So, and then it'd be four. <laughs> if not, no, but anyways, yeah, it'd be four losses in a row, and the guy's almost forty, so it would not be that surprising. He's already getting promotional stuff. Yeah, he has his work outside the case. He doesn't need it, so I'm not that surprised. But yeah, I know. which is cool. Yeah, which is cool. Awesome, good for him, you know. But what do you think, man? Um, very interesting fight. Uh, the fact that it's three rounds, I'm kind of more inclined to think that this is one uh, in favor of Moswell. The fact that Moswell has been wanting this fight too. I mean, they've been talking about this one for a long time. Um, I think that makes me think that he probably know he, he probably knows something that we don't maybe, but I don't know, man. Because on paper, this looks like a pretty pretty rough fight for him. What do you think? I mean, look, for one, I think we got to talk about Gilbert. Obviously, Gilbert's jiu-jitsu abilities at this weight class and in the whole UFC, I mean, he's one of the best. I mean, he has a lot of submissions under his belt, I believe. How many? Actually, let's look at it real quick. I can pull it up real quick. In the UFC, yeah, five sub wins in the UFC, three KOs and six decisions. Fourteen and five lifetime record in the UFC, by the way. Mm. So he's established himself very great. I mean, he he was, I mean, he's been built in, in you know the fire of the UFC. So, I mean, that's I mean, and and kind of since moving to one seventy, his career has taken this nice jump, man. It's it's very awesome to see that the weight change helped him and. And that's what you like to see uh, with, with anybody who decides to make that change because you never know how it's going to be. You never know if it's going to be good or bad. It went up, which is a smart decision, rather than going fucking down. <laughs> but, um, I mean, look, Gilbert's hands are getting – they've gotten better. They, they're they looking cleaner, but they're they're not going to be as good as Jorge Mazo. That is a fact. Or mm-hmm. his hands are clean. They're as clean – they're some of the cleanest you're going to get in the UFC. I mean, the guy – Loves boxing, loves striking, loves Muay Thai. He he has a great understanding of uh, stand up, and in, his, in the ground game and in, in, in that world, the whole wrestling world. Obviously, with, with over the years, he's adapted. He's learned. He saw. He talked about that. He's like, you know, uh, that's one thing that I love about MMA and, and kind of if you ever want to be in this sport, you always got to be adapted. You always got to be learning. And uh, he has, you know, he has a good takedown defense. I think it should be enough to at least hold off Gilbert for a little bit. Gilbert has obviously improved out with the people he has around him. Like, he worked with guys like Kamaru, like Michael Chandler, guys who could take him down and obviously work on those takedowns as well with him. So those have greatly improved, especially since his whole thing. And one of his best assets is his jiu-jitsu. And obviously, first thing you got to do is get the person down. But before that, you always stand up on the feet. So that mm-hmm. has improved too, and his power has shined through. I think... Mm-hmm. I think uh, Jorge obviously has a great chance, right, early on in the first few rounds, to uh, to, to do stuff on the feet. He maybe get a decision win. I don't know if he'll finish him on the feet. Always possible. But at the same time, like I say, Gilbert's hands have improved. He has power. I mean, Jorge suffered the first KO loss of his career. Granted, it was a perfect punch, you know. Yeah, and he I took time I, off too. I mean, it's he been took about two off. years since I won. Yeah, so, uh, you know, I don't think that she, Shin has been cracked with weekend or anything like that yet, but you never know, right? I mean, he's, 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 he's an old 38 in MMA, man. I mean, he's, he's been around the block, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah. And, uh, I think Gilbert has a great chance. I mean, we've seen Jorge, we've seen Jorge lose the submissions before. I was like, some crazy submissions at that. Submissions mm-hmm. of the decade. Right. I think Gilbert Burns will win. I do think Jorge Masvidal has a great chance of winning this fight, though. I do not think, uh, because I think Gilbert's actually like a pretty sizable 
favorite. He's one of the bigger favorites on the card, yeah. I'm looking at it right now. He's a minus 500. That's that's wild to me. Um, I don't know, man. I you know I'm, I gotta be honest with you. I've kind of gone back and forth on this fight. I think this fight's a lot closer than people kind of indicate. Um, I I agree. I, I think it's because of the standard mainly. I think I think it's main. No, I think it's mainly just comes down to recent performances. I, uh, that's well, well, like okay. Let me rephrase. I do think that's why the fight will be close to the stand up. Um, and I think that Jorge Masvidal has much better jujitsu than people remember. The guy went toe to toe with with fucking Damian Maya. If you guys never watched that fight, Damian Maya, that fight was really really fun to watch. Ma, Granted, like, though, Damian Maya's striking is also like non-existent too. No, no, no. But I mean, like on the ground is what I mean. Um, oh yeah. Masvidal, he he took him down. Masvidal, and he had his bag for a long time, but he couldn't get the job done. Masvidal has has underrated jujitsu. Um. Now, I am going to go ahead and still pick Gilbert Burns. I just think he's the more active guy. He's he's just coming off a win in January, man. He's been in the fire. Like, Masvidal, I just I just don't know if he's at that level anymore. Like, and, it, and obviously, it's kind of it's like the Tony Ferguson thing I mentioned earlier. Like, whenever guys have losses at the top level, you're willing to give him a longer leash, right? But even without... That being the case, right? If you just take the names out of it, three losses in a row, didn't win a single round. I mean, maybe you can give him one round from the Colby fight, maybe one round from the Kamara fight. But he's won two rounds max in his last three fights. He's almost 40 years old. I mean, he's fighting a guy who's younger than him, more active, coming off a big win. I got to go Gilbert Burns, but I will say that there are a lot of people counting on Jorge Masvidal. I could absolutely see Jorge Masvidal catching Gilbert Burns early. I really could. I mean, I think he's he's very electric. He still has very good boxing. I feel like people forget, like, you know, he, he nearly did knock out Colby, you know? So he still has the power. It's just I, I don't think it's going to be enough. I'm going to go and take Gilbert Burns, and I'm assuming you're on the same page. Yeah. By the way, Alex Mahaf worked at Masvidal. Sneaky little parlay there for people. That is a sneaky little one. Yeah. Um, I w- I don't know if I do it, but this is just what a pussy. I mean, <laughs> yeah. it, right. Um, you know me, but this <laughs> is rest of the card, man. Couple of bangers on here. Uh, Rob Font, Adrian Yanez. Next up on the main card. This one's gonna be electric, no matter what. I mean, you got Rob Font coming in here off two losses in a row, but granted. Marlon Vera and fucking Jose Aldo, not a, you know, not a, not a, not two, uh, like, scrubs to lose to, man. Um, and then you're taking on Adrian Yanez, who, opposite end of the spectrum, a lot of wins in a row, man. What, like, six wins in the UFC, five of those coming by the way, a knockout. However, you know, much lower level of competition. So this is the first real big step up, ranked number 12. What do you think about this one, man? I think this is going to be a very fun fight, but uh, I don't know who's going to come out of here, honestly. I mean, they're really giving him the pressure. I think they really, in my opinion, are really, really giving him a hard fight, uh, which is good. You always want to test his young talent at some point. Um, I will say this, though. I, I think a lot of people are probably going to pick Giannis, and I believe Giannis is the favorite. The thing is, do not be surprised if Rob Font ends up winning this fight in a finish either. Mm-hmm. Rob Font's hands are very good. We've seen it. I mean, shit, he's 
just, I mean, just go back and look at his highlights. Obviously, in, in recent time, yeah, there's been losses, but look, look at those fights earlier on, and like, look at that Cheeto fight early on. How is it going? You know, right later. Oh no! Oh no! That's living in Kansas, folks. You guys hear that once a week? Just not once a week, once every uh, once a month on the pod. <laughs> do you want to cut it here for a second, and we'll just clip it together? Or do you want to keep going? Nah, fuck it. We already did it last month. Whenever this happened, we just, we just kept on going, so we're gonna keep on going again. <laughs> no, I mean, I'm just asking. Hey, I mean, that's no, no. I, I'm, I'm just, I'm just joshing. But uh, yeah, man. I mean, in terms of the fight, though, um, yeah, I mean, Rob Font's got crispy hands, dude. I mean, I think a lot of people are probably sleeping on him going into this weekend. I don't know what the odds are, um, but he has a, a very good chance of this one of winning this one. I'm probably gonna go and take Adrian Yanez. I'm fully on the hype train. I gotta go ahead and admit it. Um, I am too, man. And by the way, yeah. next to Masvidal too, the guy he's been compared to on the card, like that is. Kind oh of- yeah, I mean that's just perfect, you know. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, man, I I think it's gonna be a very fun fight. Regardless, I think Rafon could sneak sneak out a win here, but I'm gonna go and take Adrian Giannis. I'm on the hype train for sure. Um, next up, dude, a welterweight banger, Kevin Holland taking on Santiago Ponzinibbio. Kevin Holland. Couple of rough fights lately. Obviously, he lost to Hamzat when he took that fight on a day's notice. Lost to Stephen Thompson by knockout in December, taking on Santiago Ponzinibbio, the Argentine dagger. Coming off a knockout win over Alex Morono in December, which was a banger of a fight. Before that, he did lose two in a row. 36 years old, trying to put together one last run, man. What do you think? It's a close fight. You know, obviously, Santi's been on the, on the other end of losses on split decisions. Which, I mean, I think, I don't know, I mean, I, I think I probably did think the other side won. And he was having a hard time with that Morono fight until late, though. He got to finish in the third, which was crazy. I think I even picked Morono to come in on, on short notice and winning it. Uh, and it was looking like he was about to, but then Santo Barnabio landed a bomb, which obviously he has that capability. Um, I mean, ever since his return to MMA, I mean, it's, it's been kind of kind of down rather than up. Uh he finally got a, you know, obviously he beat Maya Obligaza, who was a younger talent. He beat Alex Bruno, who's a guy who came on short and been around the block a little bit. But against the guys who have been ranked, he's had his trouble. Obviously, the Leech, Jeff Neal, Chopin, guys who are ranked in this division or are on the come up and are trying to get their shot at a title. They got it before Santi left. I mean, he was he was up there. You know, he was he was, he, won, he was in the position to potentially get a title shot at some point. Uh, Kevin Holland. I don't know, man. I, 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 one of the greatest things that I think described his career for a while was probably just generally unfocused. You know what I mean? And I think that's kind of how the record looks. There was no mm-hmm. like specific, like, like the 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 way you look at his topology looks unfocused. You know, because you go from going to 185 and then you fight guys like Alex Oliveira, Alex Oliveira Cowboy Oliveira, who I don't know if you saw that highlight recently of his fight out to the years. Damn, it looked rough. Did he lose? I believe so, yeah. Oh, bad. damn it. I think it was bad, too. Uh, Tim Means, who would have been around, yeah, you should be beating those guys. And then got the last-minute switcher with Chimaev, decided to stand with Wonder Boy. I mean, you know, two and two in the last four. I, I don't know, man. Like, I, I'm curious to see if he's able to bounce back to, to kind of the Kevin Holland we saw and. What would it have been, 2020? The guy was fighting fucking seven times a year, you know? Yeah, exactly. 
And uh, I mean, in these ranks, he has this opportunity. Let, let's see. You made the weight change because you thought 170 would be better than 185. I don't know. I mean, I, I want to pick Kevin Holland, but at the same time, I can see Santiago Ponzinibbio winning this. Kevin Holland's hands are good. He has power. His jiu-jitsu's gotten better. His wrestling, as we've seen, has been a struggle through his career. I'm sure Santi, Santi is a, a smart guy. Obviously, he does commentary and analysis for the Spanish broadcast. So he, he's aware of Kevin Holland very well. He knows he knows his game. And uh, and, he, and Santi knows what's on the line for him. Obviously, his career is kind of in a, in a tough little spot. Like, he needs to get every win he can. Uh, but Kevin Holland, you know, I don't know if he loses this. He, he can bounce back from him. But it just looks kind of rough from where he was at not too long ago, you know? I feel like we're going backwards with Kevin Holland rather than going forward, which we were doing the whole time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to an extent. I, I mean, I don't necessarily think that he's good. I don't think he's looked any worse in his last fights. It, I mean, no, he doesn't, doesn't look bad, but you know what I mean. If you, if you look at who he's been in recent time, compared to prior to the wins he had before, and then the, who the loss has been to, and with the weight change and everything, it's kind of like, there, there feels like there's an overall consistency throughout the career of it. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I don't – I mean, look, man. I mean, I think it, – it, I get your point. I don't necessarily think he's looked any worse. I do think you can make a point in his last fight because he – I'm not, I'm really not saying he's looking bad. I'm not, that, no, no, I, I see your point, though. That, You're saying the consistency. Yeah, I mean, it just looks – everything just looks all over the place in the career is what I'm saying. Yeah. No, well, it is. So, um, <laughs> Yeah. And then, like I said, uh, it, fits, it fits him. It fits his personality. Yeah. Fair enough. I mean – yeah, I mean, as far as this fight goes, I do think he'll win this one. I mean, I think he's going to be Santiago Ponzinibbio. I thought, I think Santiago is a big fan of the guy, but he's slowed down so much since coming back. And I get why. I mean, didn't he nearly die? Like, he was out for three years due to, like, multiple staph infections, and he had COVID, and he had this, and then he had that. Like, poor dude. But, uh, yeah, I mean, he missed the rest of his prime for that, and that really sucks. He's a big what-if that people don't talk about. But I do think that... uh Kevin Holland's going to go ahead and get a big win on uh, on Saturday. Um, and then opening up the main card, uh, Raul Rosas Jr. in another tune-up against Christian Rodriguez. I mean, I mean, Grant, uh, Christian Rodriguez could win the fight. I mean, in this case, very young, but, I mean, they, they probably know what they're doing here. They're hoping Raul Rosas Jr. wins this one. To be fair, Christian Rodriguez, is a, he's a decent guy, you know. He's 1-1 one one in the UFC, lost to Jonathan Pierce, picked up a win over Joshua Weems back last, uh, last October. Uh, but we know the story that I will Rosas Jr., youngest fighter in your senior history, super hyped up prospect. Uh, a lot of people talk about the kid, man. I uh, think he'll get it done, get a second win in the UFC on Saturday. I mean, for what? Up until this point right now, and I don't think I said this in a Jay Perrin fight because I didn't think this. This I think this will be the toughest fight of Raul Rosas' career, and obviously that's going to be the, the story of him always, right? His next fight will always be the toughest fight of his career, toughest fight of his career, right? Um. And I think I might as well start saying it now, right? Because this is where it starts. And I think it will be against Christian Rodriguez. Uh, I kind of went back, Josh, and actually watched watched the fight. I was like, you know something? I need, I need, I want to watch Christian Rodriguez. You know, I, I've probably seen this fight, but he's he's probably been on the prelims in the past. And uh, you know, it's just someone that hasn't necessarily stuck out to me, right? So I went back and watched I watched one of his fights and, ma- and watched mainly the Jonathan Pierce fight because I was like, I'm curious to see how this fight went. And it's a fight he lost, funny enough. Yeah. And look, the guy has some skills. He was fighting up a weight class, so that was another reason he lost. Um, in my opinion, I think it was a factor because he was you could see the, the sizable difference in there. And uh, he has 
he's very uh, capable in the jiu-jitsu game. I mean, we, he had multiple sub, you know, multiple sub attempts, trying to throw up submissions. You know, obviously defended well against submissions. He has capability on the ground. He did, he did get controlled in the wrestling department, though. He did get, he got his back taken a lot. But granted, though, like I said, a bigger guy. And also, he ta- he tagged Jonathan Pierce late in that fight up a weight class too. Uh, so he and he, he was a dog. He stayed in it. He was tough. He he didn't get submitted, and he had his own sub attempt too on Jonathan Pierce. He jumped on those subs as well when he had his chances, and they were they were decently deep. But granted, Jonathan Pierce in his own right had a submission defense. I'm curious to see if Raul was able to replicate what Jonathan did in the wrestling department against Christian. I think these guys are gonna be like ferrets on top of each other, dude. You know, mm. you know, the scrambles are be crazy, the jutsus would be wild. And we haven't really gotten to see a lot of Raul's stand up. I'm wondering if Christian could kinda of get a little bit that more out of him, kinda of make work make him work for it. I just think this is gonna be a very hard fight for Raul. And I think a lot of and he's a sizable favorite in this fight too. Uh I was looking at it earlier, I have it here pulled up. Oh well. I guess it's not a, not as big as you think. It's still big. He's a minus two forty five to a minus one ninety. You know, it's still say a decent size, obviously, right? Yeah. But uh, and I think the fight's in reality a lot closer than that. I think it should be almost damn near near even, in my personal opinion. But uh, we'll see. Uh, Raul has a bit of height advantage on him, but something that I don't know if you know, Josh Raul has dinosaur arms. Yeah. Sixty seven inch reach. To Christian Rodriguez's uh, 71 inch reach. Damn. So, for Raul, you know, he'll definitely, he does want to stand with him. He's definitely going to have to get in there deep against a smaller guy who, like I said, we saw his, he's, we saw he has a little pump to his punches at up a weight class. I'm sure, who knows? I mean, I imagine it should translate to 135. I'm going to stick on a high tree, Josh. I'm going to go Raul because mm-hmm. if he can continue that wrestling he did against Jay Perry against Christian Rodriguez and replicate what Jonathan Pierce did against Christian Rodriguez. And that MMA in that UFC debut, I think he has a path to victory. But I don't know. I think if anything, it'll be a very close, competitive back and forth fight. If the and I, what I imagine will be a lot of grand exchanges. Yeah, that's where I'm at too. I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and pick Raul Ruiz Jr. Um, I'm sticking with the hype train. Um, I mean, I, I'm on I'm on, the, on the same page. I think Christian Rodriguez probably getting the toughest fight of his career so far. It doesn't mean much. I mean, the guy hasn't really. I mean, he hasn't been tested at all, at least from the, the few fights that I've seen of him, maybe there's like an amateur fight I haven't seen or some shit, I don't know, but... I mean, Armando Gutierrez, obviously in the Contender Series, he was older than him, 7-1. Uh, and one. He did dominate him, though. Like, I'm just saying, like, he hasn't really... I'm saying he hasn't been forced to be tested. Like, nobody's provided that, any opposition. It, you know, it wasn't necessarily ready to close, but it was one of the closer fights he's had in general, you know? Yeah, I suppose, but... Um, yeah, man, I'm gonna go ahead and... Shit, it was closer to his UC debut, man. Yeah, yeah. That did not go well for Jay Perrin. So, uh, yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll go ahead and take Robert Rosas Jr. Um, they they got a lot of hope for this kid. I mean, this is the second time in a row now that he's opening up a main card. Yeah, they, they Chris Curtis was pissed about that. He's been pissed about that for months. Dude, yeah, I mean... I get it, though. I get it, man. But at the same time, you need to get it, too. You know what I mean? I, I mean... I mean, if if you ever wanted the more the world is or life isn't fair talk, this is the life isn't fair talk, right? Well, yeah, and and there's some, I saw him complain about it once before, and somebody was like, "Well, you know, you need to go out there and prove yourself." I'm like, dude, Chris Curtis knocked out like multiple ranked guys. You know, he's he talks that shit. He promotes himself. Like, this is, this is a guy who's allowed to complain. It's him. I mean, this is also a guy who lost like five years of his career because they didn't pick him off the contender series. 
whenever he got one of the coolest knockouts of all time. So, um, anyways, man. Yeah, I mean, speaking of Chris Curtis, he's one down. I mean, it's not on the main card. We don't have to offer a prediction. But Kelvin Gaston, Chris Curtis, whoo, that is a banger at middleweight, dude. Mm-hmm. What do you think about that one? I mean, for Kelvin, man, he's just in desperate need of a win. And, I mean, he's not getting any gimmies here with Chris Curtis. I'm just curious to see, like, can he get back? Like, is 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 there any light at the end of the tunnel? And if it isn't here, Josh, I mean, fuck. That's, what is that? That'd be six losses in his last seven with only one win in between against Ian Heinish. Granted, though, all his losses would be to the to, the, to ranked opponents. Izzy, Darren Till, Jack Hermanson, Robert Worker, Jared Kennedy. I mean, he's only lost to the top of the top, right? Yeah. They gave him that step back in competition with Ian Heinish, but I think if he is lose here, I hope they just, he does not let go of him. I hope they're like, hey, let's take a step back in competition. Let's go into some on the sick maybe two three unranked opponents and then maybe we could talk about a ranked opponent at 185 because he's still young he's 31 his MMA career started very young it's something you mentioned before on the show I just don't know man it, it's just rough it's just rough it is rough uh very much it because you're talking about a guy who is uh I mean I really hope they don't cut Calvin but I mean Calvin there are some dudes where like they'll give him tune-ups and there are other dudes where they're just like Fuck you. If they gave our boy Sam Alvey all that time, they should be able to give Kelvin plenty of time. Well, yeah. I mean, and I, I don't even have a problem with him giving Sam all that time because Sam had multiple fights. Really. Like, it was a one split decision here, controversial decision there, early stop. Like, you know, there, there were reasons, right? But, like, there's some dudes who just, like, they'll get a tune-up, and there's some guys that just, like, fuck you. You were I, not I, getting yeah, a tune-up. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think it. Yeah, just, but, yeah, I'm sorry to cut you off there. I was going to say, it'd be one thing if he was uh, getting decimated. But he's taking these fights to a decision. The only one that was bad was Jack Hermanson when he got, like, instantly submitted. Yeah, that one was bad. But it's like, you know, decision lost to Whitaker. He, I mean, he kind of, Whitaker tuned him up. But it happens. That that stuff happens. You know, uh, he lost to Jared Cannon in a year. But if I remember correctly, that was a pretty close fight. The Darren Till one was a split decision, but I mean that was a pretty terrible decision. Um, was one judge was blind on that night, on that night, I guess I should say, because Kelvin had no right to win a card. But and then there was the Izzy fight, um, and then obviously the Jack Hermanson and Ian Heish one. Yeah, I mean Kelvin just had multiple just terrible. And even look at the fights that they scheduled for him. He's supposed to fight Nasruddin Imavov at one point. Um, he was supposed to fight Drikus Duplessis at one point. I mean. God. He, those fights are Sean Strickland. He's been he's been booked against like tough dudes. So I mean, yeah, you got you got to give him credit though. He's taking them. Granted though, we don't know what a fight offers he's getting. For all we know, he's getting fucking offered rank fifty. Or and by the way, I want you to guess how old Kelvin Gaslam is because I just found out right now and it kind of fucks with me. Thirty one. I saw it earlier. Oh okay, yeah, that's fucking crazy to me. That is insane. I mean. <laughs> I mean, Kelvin's been around, even to think about it, man, but Kelvin's been around since two, a decade now. Yeah, 2013. I mean, wow. I mean, 20 of his fights have been in the UFC, though, Josh. <laughs> like, crazy, dude. Crazy. But, anyways, man. Yeah, I mean, on the opposite end, Chris Curtis, happy to see him getting another big fight, coming off a big win over Joaquin Buckley. Let's see if we can keep the momentum going. Uh, but outside of that one, which fights are you most looking forward to, man? Oh, man. Where, what do I want to start here? I mean, we got to talk about Joe Pfeiffer, man. This, the, the fucking UFC, or at least Dana loves this guy ever since he was in the entire series. Uh, 
getting a shot here on the pay-per-view. On the prelims, you got to build it up. They're giving Gerald Mercer up, which say is a pretty good test for any 185er, right? Gerald Mercer's one of those guys who's he's doing the damn thing still, man. He's, he's getting his wins. He's beating some guys that people are probably picking against him to be, uh, to, you know, picking against him to lose to. And uh, Joe Paul Harris, once again, one of those other guys, are, they're kind of one up there. They want to give him that little push. They want to give him that little, they want to test. They want to give him that juice. And then again, who's there at the door? Gerald Merchart. Mm-hmm. Um, also, Chase Sherman, heavyweight fight. Obviously, you got to enjoy him. Uh, and uh, Ignacio Bahamones, man, back after a long layoff. I think he had some visa issues. Taking a fight at a catchweight, 160. At least that's what I'm seeing here. And Karate Hottie against Luana Pinero. Pinero? By 10 and 1 Brazilian gal. Very talented. Uh, definitely excited to see her back. It's been, man, it's, I feel like it's been a fight since we've seen Michelle fight. Yeah, she has not fought uh, Michelle Waterson Gomez now in almost a year. July 2022. Lost to Amanda Limos by guillotine choke. That was a tough one. She was filming a movie, apparently, with Tom Hardy. That's why. Some oh, shit. Yeah, good for her. That'll come out on Netflix, so I'm not gonna be watching that one. <laughs> oh, oh man, <laughs> what is it called? I, just, I, have, I have a hatred towards Netflix originals, Angel. <laughs> really? Well, regardless, I'm looking at it now. She just turned 37 this year. How much time do you think she has left in her career? Not long. Not long. I, mean, I don't think. I mean, shit. I don't know. I mean, the, the reality is, is that she's. 37, but also she hasn't taken a whole lot of damage, so that can sometimes, and for whatever reason, I mean, the, the reality, we have uh, like a pretty small sample size, just because women have only been fighting for like 10 years, and male MMA has been going on for like 30-something, you know? But we've been seeing women fight longer than men normally do. Like Holly Holmes, 41. Uh, Marion Renault fought till she was 45. Misha Tate's still around. Mo, a lot of those women that were around whenever the, like women's MMA first started, they're still around, so... Or at least John DOC, because women in MMA has been around you know, since 2000. And, like, I, I heard someone say that they feel like it's gonna be, it's kind of like the opposite for men, because like men are kind of going kind of quicker now, in some cases. Like, think yeah, about, but I think that I has mean, to just has to do with the talent pool getting better. Well, yeah, yeah, that's the thing. Well, that that's exactly why. You know, that's yeah. why I bring it up. You know, it's it's I think it's still a good point to bring up because think about it. Anthony Pettis is 36. Yeah. Like, he's not old. Uh, no, way. he's not, and he's already in that phase of his career where he just kind of is doing fun fights, you know? Yeah, like, and Kamaru is, like, not far out either, you know what I mean? He's, like, around the same age as well, right? Like, 30, 35, 36, yeah. 34? Yeah. He's he's kind of already kind of looking out the door, too, you know? I mean, yeah, I mean it's, it's like yeah, a, it's turning into a young man's sport, you know? I mean, this is just an example, but most people don't even know. Anderson Silva reigned until... His title reign didn't start whenever he was, like, 20. His title reign started whenever he was, like, 30. Like, Anderson was champion until I think he was 40. I mean, I don't remember the exact... So he lost the title in July 2013. How old is he now? He's 47. He was 37 when he... 37, 38 when he lost the title. Like, that's pretty crazy. By 37, 38, we're talking about Masvidal retiring right now. We just talked about that. Anderson Silva was still champ back then. Like, I don't know. Like, they're... Probably just because of the talent pool, but yeah, guys are, you know, growing older quicker now. Um, Granted, you do get the unicorns once in a while. Glover, you know. Yep. Jim Miller's still doing it. Andre Arlovsky, mm-hmm. who is like 42. 
Daniel James. The GOAT Daniel James. Future USC champion Daniel James, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, there are there are the unicorns out there, but for the most part, it's becoming a younger sport, except for women, just because it's, it's not as big of a talent pool, I guess. And, you know, I, I mean, I don't know. I don't know the reason. But, yeah, I mean, women tend to last longer in the sport. But, uh, yeah, man. So I don't know when Michelle Watson will hang it up, but uh, it's good to see her back. Uh, Gerald Mearshart, you mentioned him. Happy to see him against Joe Pfeiffer, the ultimate gatekeeper, Gerald Mearshart. Uh, our boy Chase Sherman's back. Cynthia Calvillo, Lupita Godinez is my fight to watch on the early prelims. Cynthia Calvillo really needs a win, three, um, four losses in a row. Uh, one of those by split decision to Nina Nunez, that was her last one. And Lupita Godinez is, I mean, she's 29. I don't think she'll be a contender. She's coming off a loss to Angel Hill. But becoming one of those action fighters, so to speak, in, in women's MMA, I mean, She'll fight just about every week if you let her. I mean, she's literally done that. She fought three times in the span of a month and a half last, uh, back in 2021. Um, so we'll see if she can stay active here. Um, <clears throat> yeah, that's about all the fights. I want to go and highlight last guy, Shailen Nurambitege. I don't know if I say pronounce the name of Wolverine. Yeah, that's actually very good, dude. Thank you, man. Um, he's three, won three fights in a row in the UFC, only 28 years old out of China. Oh. Come on, Josh. Did he really beat Derek Minner? <laughs> <laughs> I knew you were going to bring that up. I knew that you were going to bring that one up. Yeah, I mean, that one might be turned into a no contest one day, but for right now, it's a win. So, <laughs> yeah, we take I mean, closing thoughts on this card, man. No, I mean, it's a banger, man. That that main card's insane. It's super fucking fun. I'm excited. It's fucking fight week, baby. Next week, we'll be there live, Josh, Let's at the go. T-Lobo Center. Facts all the way for Arnold Allen. Let's go, champ. Let's go, champ. Well, we do got a little bit of more news to go ahead and go over. Um, but, yeah, for UFC 287, that's about it. Um, but, yeah, dude, we got to go and talk about the big news because it's um, one of the biggest – I mean, last time this happened, back in 2016, it felt like a much bigger deal. Now it doesn't feel that big. Um, yeah, because – well, let me, let me just go and – Say it. The UFC and WWE have merged. Uh, William Morris Endeavor, the comp- WME, which owns the UFC, bought the WWE. They don't own the company outright. They bought 51% of shares, I believe. Um, and Vince McMahon owns like 49% uh, or whatever. It's, it's almost 50-50, but they technically own the company now. Is at least the majority. Yeah. yeah, they own the majority. So WWE and UFC are going to merge into one company called TKO. And um, they ha- they got valued at twenty one billion dollars. So for everybody that I for for everybody that's given me shit over the years, by the way, for for saying for always talking about fighter pay and like you don't know how much the UFC spends, the UFC put out a whole press release talking about how much fucking money they have. So I don't like don't don't talk to me about it. But uh, yeah, man. I mean, this this is the biggest news of the week. Um, I mean, it, it's very historical news. It, it's like a UFC fan, it things aren't really gonna change for us. But for WWE fans, things are going to change a lot. You know what I mean? You there, bud? Yeah, I'm here. I said I didn't respond to that. Oh, I didn't. Yeah, you might. That wasn't muted, and it just didn't pick it up. Okay, go ahead. No, I mean, I don't know. Like, I don't know exactly what's going to happen. What do you think is going to happen? That's actually like the bigger question I kind of have for you. Um, I think we're not going to see. I mean, at, at most, we'll probably see a co-promotion. Where like maybe one 
maybe like on a weekend they have like a WWE show on like a Sunday in the same venue, and then on Saturday the night before they have like a UFC card. You'll probably see guys like Brock fight in the UFC or something like that. I think the UFC pretty clearly has something in mind, and they're trying to become like a global entertainment company. They're not trying. This is the play, and as much as I hate it. Uh, I hate the steal, by the way. I didn't say that, but I really hate this one as a wrestling fan because I saw whenever Endeavor bought the UFC in 2016, everything was like stable for like a year. And Angel, you were you were around back then, like everything was normal. And then mm-hmm. slowly but surely, pay per views have gone from fifty to like eighty five dollars. Yeah, fuck all that. the all the fighters that are entertaining and and cost even the slightest bit of money, they're cutting them all. They're bringing in Dana White Contender Series guys, which don't last that long in the UFC, which is the point, because they're not that good. So they can only pay them 10000 10000 cut them, and they don't have to sign into a big second deal. Um, that's that. I mean, and obviously, you know, pay-per-views, because WWE doesn't even have pay-per-views. So if you're a WWE fan, it's probably the worst outcome for you. Um, I per, I'm personally, I'm... I'm out after me. I, I, I'm, I'm done. I'm taking a break, man, until probably Vince McMahon dies. So, uh, <laughs> Jesus, Josh. <laughs> well, because Vince McMahon's back in charge now. So, um, yeah. I mean, it's, if you're a WWE fan, this fucking sucks. But if you're a UFC fan, this really won't make much of a difference. Um, you probably will have the occasional cross-promotion. You will occasionally have two companies working together. I think this is probably just going to lead to, like, um... I mean, not much. Not much if you're a UFC fan. But I will say, I think they're making a play here to become like... Dana's always talked about wanting to become one of the big four sports, like football, basketball, hockey, and soccer, right? This is basically the play to do that. Shit, hockey have, was up there? I mean, if we're talking U.S.-wise, in the U.S., there's the big four. Oh, okay. I thought we talking like global sports. I was like, no, I mean, well, in America, anyway, because that's where the UFC's based, but... The, the, Daniel's always talking trying to make a big play for the big four sports, and a, and a move like this makes that easier. I also think people miss the fact that uh, Dana alluded to bringing boxing back and trying to do boxing. Just it was a small it was a small story in the Wall Street Journal. Nobody talked about it, but like apparently Dana's working on making a boxing league. Um, See if they would, I mean, I feel like if they just did Zufa boxing, if he just became a boxing promoter in general, I feel like it would just work well. You know what I mean? Well, I don't understand why he didn't just do that instead of doing fucking Power Slap. That, very true. Like, do you think anybody, nobody cares about Power Slap? Like, they, like, nobody, you know? No, I mean, you're right. I don't mean, I don't don't know anybody who really talked about it. (laughs) Exactly, yeah. I mean, they didn't get a second deal either. So, I don't know, man. I, I, I don't know, I don't know what could help the sport right now. And, I mean, the one thing that does, I mean, the only good thing going for us, I think, is the fucking fact that the the fights are great. You know what I mean? There are some stories, and the fighters keep it alive. Yeah, and obviously, and, and by the way, boxing is popping, and we'll talk about that in a minute. Right. We got Errol Spence, Terrence Crawford, allegedly going down in June. They're they're in talks again. They're in talks again, but we'll see. You know, because after Tyson Fury always interviews, like I'm taking nothing for granted, but right. We do. I mean, we do. I mean, that's about all I got to say about this, man. I mean, I just think it's we got to wait and see. I mean, the deal hasn't even gone through yet. Um, we oh, still have a ways to go. So it's not finalized yet, but they. I mean, they've agreed to the deal, but it has to go through the SEC and all those because anytime a big, you know, yeah, company yeah. gets bought and sold, you know, you gotta check for violations and shit. So we'll see. Mm-hmm. Um, 
But anyways, man. Next up, Game Bread Boxing went down over the weekend. I think this is Game Bread Boxing 4, uh, even though I guess there were three shows before this, but they were all regional ones or smaller shows that I just didn't hear about because this one, uh, I mean, look, for a first show, it wasn't bad. And I think if you guys want, like, a viable alternative, this is how you're going to get it. Because doing the thriller strategy of throwing so much money at guys and throwing so much money at production value and just hoping it'll work out did not work. But regardless, uh, Game Red Boxing 4 went down Saturday night from the Fizzerev, uh Forum in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Anthony Pettis, Roy Jones Jr. Anthony Pettis upsetting Roy Jones Jr. by a majority decision. Um, I saw a lot of people disagreeing with the score. I saw some people disagreeing with it. I saw some people saying Pettis won all eight rounds. Uh, Whoa. It was a weird fight. So, what do you think about it, man? I mean, look, I didn't, I didn't personally give the scorecard. I fucking ended up watching it late. I did end up catching some of it. I was watching it as much as I could because I ended up being at work at that time. And it just, I mean, like you said, I mean, it, 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 it seemed relatively close, but not close. It was, I don't know. I don't know how I felt about it. You know what I mean? Yeah. I felt weird about it. I, I was just like, I... This is going all right. I didn't think anybody was doing the overly anything amazing. I thought you could tell that Roy was Roy and Pettis was Pettis very clearly, you know? Yeah. Did you think, I mean, I, I came out of this one, I had no idea who won the fight. I mean, I, I remember thinking Roy won, with the, but with I wasn't the, keeping score. I mean. With what I saw, yeah. I mean, I didn't, I wasn't, I was like, I, I, I think Roy, I was assuming, I was like, ah, oh, Roy probably coasted the decision, you know, relatively, quote unquote, relatively close, but really not. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then, you know, and then I go on Twitter. <laughs> Anthony Pettis has defeated Roy Jones. That was yeah. Good. I mean, it's um, yeah. I was pretty surprised. I was pretty surprised, man. I did not think that uh, Pettis deserved the nod, but at the same time, I mean, look, man. I mean, Roy. Roy's my favorite boxer of all time, and I've 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 always been very upfront about that. Roy Jones is one of the guys that like made me realize how much fun combat sports could be. Because I was, like, 10 years old, dude, and I was watching, like, I was playing Fight Night Champion and, like, watching uh, highlight videos of Roy Jones Jr. beating the shit out of guys to Roy Jones Jr. rapping up beating the shit out of guys. You know what I mean? Like, there is, <laughs> there's something surreal about that. Because Roy Jones released Y'all Must Have Forgot in, like, 2000, and I don't think he lost for another four years. So he released that song about beating dudes up, and, like, nobody could do anything about it for, like, four years. It's <laughs> just... just and he became heavyweight champion, so he's the most—he was the baddest man on the planet too. So, Roy Jones Jr. my favorite boxer of all time. Even then, if you fuck around for so long, and the guy's fifty, you were gonna—you know—this was gonna happen. This is gonna happen at some point, you know. And for Anthony Pettis picking up the win, good for him, dude. It's been hey, as MMA guys, we've been needing to pick up one of these. I mean, it's just, we got one. We got one, you know, like. <laughs> Boxers have been kicking the shit out of MMA guys in boxing matches for, like, the last five years or so. So at least we got one, I guess. Uh, but, yeah, man, at least for the rest of the card goes, I mean, a couple of weird decisions in here. I mean, what would you think, man? I mean, B tour B Jockery, what I expected. I mean, they're real banger the night, though, Josh, as close as they all the Jeremy Stevens, right? Extreme banger, yeah. And, you know, we're kind of – I mean – there was, just, I mean, there was some people on the undercard. I can't, I can't remember who. I didn't end up watching anything outside of the main, the main people, uh, or I mean, I shouldn't say the main people, but you know, the the big names that people who are UFC fans or MMA fans would probably know. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I mean, it, as far as that that fight goes, I was very um, I was very surprised that that one was ruled a, a draw. Um, I thought Jose pretty cleanly won that one, but it was a very fun fight, and I was happy to see it, Jeremy Stevens funny, out there. It's funny that you say that because I I felt like I heard a lot of people say the opposite. Really, people thought Jeremy Stevens won. What I saw. Interesting. Um. Anyways, yeah. I mean, I was happy to see Jeremy Stevens out there having fun. I mean, that's a guy that's had some rough years. So I was happy to see him, you know, show off for that one. And then the Vitor fight, I mean, I was not that surprised. I mean, Vitor basically just beat the shit out of him. It was his 46th birthday shot of Vitor Belfort, you know, and he avenged a uh, a loss because they fought back in the day. You see 198 in Brazil, and uh, Jock Ray beat him. But here's the interesting part. Afterwards, Vitor said that apparently he was supposed to fight Roy Jones Jr. in the main event first before Pettis. Wow, really? Yeah, could you imagine fucking... Vitor Belfort was just going to be collecting wins or aging boxing legends like they were fucking Infinity Stones, dude. Like, just <laughs> knocked out Evander, who was, like, 56, I think. He would probably, he would almost definitely knock out Roy, who was, like, 53. Fucking, where's Mike Tyson at, you know? Like, it's just... Oh, come on, dude. You think Mike, you're telling me Big Mike wouldn't knock out Vitor? I think Big Mike, I'd probably pick Big Mike to fight Vitor, but if, if there's two guys around 50 years old that I want to see fight... Man, Vitor Belfort and Mike Tyson. You love, you love how Usada was working this event too. Oh yeah, right. You saw, you saw the out for this one. Uh, <laughs> uh, but anyways, I mean, yeah, this is a fun card. Like I said, man, there was a, this was a deep card. There was a lot of fights on here that didn't really need to be on here, honestly. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I had fun. I thought, you know, for uh, for just a small boxing card on Fight Pass, you know, it was a not, it was a fun night. I had fun. Nothing else to watch at the time. I think PFL is already over. So, yeah, it's pretty sick. Um, and we'll see what they do it again. I, I mean, I'm pretty sure they have more attention for more events, but we'll have to see. Speaking of boxing, this is what actually most of these final stories are. Um, because Darren Till said, predictably, you know, Angel, I, I was skeptical when he said he left the UFC to just go get some treatment and come back. Oh, so I was God. like, he's probably going to get some money thrown at him. He said he's already going to boxing. He said Jake Paul, Logan Paul, KSI, Tommy Fury – He's willing to fight any of them. Is this the right move? Absolutely not. No, you don't think so? No, man. Come on. Would you would you rather see Darren Till back in the UFC, or do you think it just made more sense to him just going like Bellator, PFL, somewhere like there? I mean, yeah, and to an extent, yes to those two. But I just would like to see him get better. Just go get his shit, you know, take a year off, train, go to fucking Thailand, do whatever, and go get stem cells in Tijuana and, and come back and... and by the lower end of the division and, and just go back to normal, I'd hope so. Yeah. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, I think it's a, I think it's a move, um, not the one I personally make. Right. If I were Darren Till, because this is kind of in look. I mean, some guys make this decision at some point in their career anyways, but this is kind of a like, yeah, I'm, I'm done competing. I kind of just want to get paid. And hey, there's That's nothing okay. wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. But Perfectly fine. You know, like Nate Diaz, who we'll talk about in a minute, like Nate was talking about leaving and going in boxing and coming back to the UFC. Nate Diaz is a big enough star for to where, like, that can happen because it's, like, mutually beneficial. If Darren Till's leaving the UFC and he said that he's going to come back and instead he goes out and does, like, a boxing match with Logan Paul, his ass ain't coming back. The UFC will remember that shit and make sure he never gets a job there again. You know what I mean? Um, as, long, as long as Dan is in charge. Um, but, yeah, man, I mean – I'm not a big fan of it. Not a big fan of it. But if he wants to go out there and go get paid, that's that's good for him, you know? 
But anyways, man. Last bit of news. Yeah, good money. Uh, speaking of good money. Uh, so after Jake Paul lost to Tom Fury, I was kind of – I wasn't even really interested to see – I was kind of interested to see what Jake was going to do, but I was more interested to see what Nate Diaz was going to do. Because everybody was like, okay, so Nate versus, you know, Jake is next after he beats Tommy, or even if that Tommy fight didn't happen. So we went out there and lost to Tommy. Jake Paul's future is not known. I saw uh, Laura, uh, Lauren Mack, uh, PFL Executive Vice President of uh, Communications, said that Jake Paul's going to fight in MMA this year. But we also saw he's in talk with Floyd and Tommy and KSI and this and that. Nate Diaz is no longer in the equation. Well, Angel, we found out on Friday night that he was involved in the equation with a Paul brother, but not Jake Logan Paul was apparently in talks to fight him, still is in talks to fight him. And uh, uh, Could you imagine Misfits, Logan X, Nate? That'd be crazy, dude. That'd be fucking crazy. I mean, what do you uh, what do you think about all this, man? I mean, I think obviously Logan said that Nate turned it down. He said he thought it was gonna happen, but he said they're also still in talks, so it could conceivably happen. I mean, make that fucking money, I guess. That's just that's all you think. You don't you don't have any teeth. Do you think that uh, this fight would be more competitive than than you know? Than, than who? Well, Jake versus uh, versus Nate. I think they're both interesting. I I think just I feel like the one thing you can write off is the fact that Logan doesn't have a win and he's a YouTuber and he's his little brother and, and you could set up a a revenge fight against Jay down the line. I guess there's a storyline there. I mean, I feel like that's where the interest can build. Yeah, that's what I think too. Um, but there, I'll put it like this: there is something there. It's not necessarily something I'm seeking out at this point. <laughs> You're like I. You're trying to be nice. You're like I really don't give a fuck about this fight. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't want to be here, Josh. I'm just, <laughs> here. I'm just here so I don't get fined. Yeah, you're like, dude. I'm just here because you know we're getting more subscribers than I thought lately, and just, just <laughs> I was gonna quit, but <laughs> um, but anyways, I mean, yeah, I mean, I don't have too many too much interest. Like I'll watch. And I actually think Logan's a bigger draw than Jake is, so I think this fight will actually be much bigger. That's something that not a whole lot of people talk about, but if you look at the number, obviously Jake has more of them, so that has to do with it, but, I mean, Logan always does really big numbers when he decides to box. Um, yeah, I'm gonna, I mean, I'll watch it, but, I mean, I'd much rather see Nate Diaz in the UFC versus Conor McGregor, if that makes sense. Like, in the trilogy, so, we'll see, though, we'll see. Um, any closing thoughts on, uh, the podcast, anything else you want to talk about before we close out? Not necessarily, but what you were saying there, I was like, I wonder why they never try to make Anderson and Nate in boxing. Um, I wonder what Anderson's going to do, actually. We haven't heard of An- we haven't heard anything from Anderson since he lost to Jake. I'm thinking a minute, man. I get it. He's old. He needs time. I mean, he's old. I mean, he is like 50 years old. But I'd be surprised if he doesn't end up doing some more boxing. Like, he just, you know. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah. Fair enough, man. Um, but yeah, I hope you guys uh, enjoyed uh, this podcast. Um, I'm at Josh Evanov on Twitter. He's at Angel Ortega underscore O one at Courtside Sound for all things related to the show. Shout out to everybody who has uh, subscribed on YouTube. We're at already at 910, and we're trying to hit a thousand by by the time I go on vacation next month in May. So <laughs> we got about four weeks. So let's see if we can do it, boys. Um, and shout out to everybody on TikTok as well, Instagram. We appreciate it so much. Hope you guys enjoyed the pod. Peace.
Peace and butt grease. Mouse click. <laughs>